0: Can one of you guys grab the podium for me? I was going to bring it up, and I thought that might be a bit ambitious. Thanks, honey. <laughs> Running it out there. I've tripped up the stage more than once, either here or at Maxwell's, and I thought that with the podium, that might be even riskier. So we're not going to do that this morning. How are, you, how are you doing this morning? You look good. You look good out there. As Brandon said, we're in the middle of a series called Set Apart and, and talking about what it looks like to um, integrate our faith and work and uh, our vocation and all of these different things. And this morning, we're going to read out of Ephesians 4, starting in verse 17. So if you brought your Bible, you can read along or you can just look at the screen. I encourage you to bring your Bible to church, but I always look at the screen. So um, feel free to follow along there. Ephesians four seventeen says this, and it's Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. And he says, so I tell you this, we're going to read quite a bit, so, so uh, lean into those seats a little more, but stay awake. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, basically the people who have not come under this way of Jesus, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance, ignorance that is in them, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Verse 25, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin and do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must no longer steal, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Why don't we pray, and then we'll get into the message this morning. God, I thank you that we get to gather here, that we get to celebrate baptisms today, there's so much good happening here at Slate Church, and I just pray this morning that you would speak through me, that you would use me, and that we would learn something here from your word. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, when I sat down to write this message, I was thinking back to all of the different jobs that I had that have led me to this point, and I have had a lot of... A lot of jobs, maybe you're the type of person that you're like, I have had two jobs or I have had, you know, one job or I've just kind of stuck in a single lane. But we were like, Brandon and I were pretty scrappy when we were younger and we, I've had a lot of jobs in order. I wrote them down. I was a babysitter, which is insane that we let 12 year olds like watch multiple children at a time. When I think back on that now, I'm like, this is nuts that I did that. It's like the most important job and we're giving it to 12 year olds. I was a babysitter, I was a storefront clerk at a pharmacy. I worked at a grocery store as a cashier. I was a scanner operator, which means that back in the day when people would send their insurance claims to Sun Life Financial, is where I worked, you would, you would, they would come into a mailroom, and there would be people in the basement of this office building, sitting in front of these giant scanners, like scanning in all of these receipts, all of these claims, all of these papers in order to get digital copies to pay you back out of your benefits. So I sat there for a whole summer, eight hours a day. I listened to so many messages, it was insane. That's where I really became sanctified, was in front of that machine. I worked in a coordinator role at Sun Life, I was a campus rep, I was a TA, I was an emergency residence contact. I went back to the grocery store uh, as a manager to make ends meet when we started ministry. I did a brief stint doing some photography and honestly, I feel like that's offensive to all the photographers in the room. I was a content writer for a wedding website, uh, and now I'm a psychotherapist, a pastor, and a homemaker, which honestly only pays in hugs and kisses, but it's okay. Jo- satisfaction of a job well done. That's the homemaker part. The psychotherapist and pastor part, I do, I do get paid money for You know, for many of us, working is an integral part of our lives. As Nate talked about last week, we are going to spend a lot of time working. I mean, I'm only 30 years old, and I have been working in different jobs, in different areas for more than half of my life. And I will be working for the rest of my life, based on the way uh, our financial uh, world looks right now. Not just Brandon and I, but the world around. I'll be working for the rest of my life. And I wonder if for some of us, that actually feels kind of weighty. This idea that we are going to be working. If you don't love your career, if you don't love your job, maybe if you still are trying to figure out what the heck am I going to do with my life? And when people ask you that, it's like an anxiety-inducing thought or the idea of going to work tomorrow brings on some level of anxiety or, or heaviness for you. But I want to remind you this morning that, that God worked. Like work in and of itself is not evil. God worked. He sets this example for us. He sets humanity in a trajectory of work. The brokenness and the sinfulness of our world makes work maybe a little bit more difficult, for sure. We see that. But it's actually good. What we do matters. But I wonder if this morning we can actually say that how we do it maybe matters even more. Well, what we do matters, but how we do it matters more. And this morning, I want to talk about this idea of working well, What does it look like as Christians to work with integrity in our workplaces? To actually take the concepts, the ideas, the values, the commands, the things that we adhere to, and as Christians have chosen to submit ourselves to within our faith here on Sundays, and actually live it out well in a workplace that maybe doesn't adhere to those same ideas, values, concepts, commands. In many letters to the early church, Paul reminds believers that they are a new creation in Christ, that they are set apart. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. And this actually makes a a really vital difference to how we operate, how we live our lives, how we are in relationship with one another, and how we work. This idea that we are a new creation affects what we do. In Ephesians, Paul has just described to the church in Ephesus that they must operate in unity, that we are one body as believers. This is what's come right before this passage that we read. We are one body. We need to operate in love. We need to make sure that we are working out of that. Then he goes on to share that we cannot live in the way that the world around us lives. That's not actually how we're called to live as believers. We are set apart. There should be something different about us. This becomes really difficult in the workplace, though, doesn't it? Especially if you find yourself in a workplace where you are not around Christians all the time. It becomes this weird thing of, okay, how do I operate? Where do I find my footing? What does it look like to actually live out my faith and to work well and to work with integrity in this place that that doesn't have a lot of christians around me i don't want to be the religious person i don't want to be you know the prude here i don't want to be the person that is always talking about jesus and people are turned off and kind of put off by that i don't want to i don't want to bring up these op- awkward topics i I don't want to be left out or even now have a fear of being canceled or lose my job in some way if I say the wrong thing or bring the wrong thing up or behave in the wrong way. So I'm just going to leave my faith for Sundays. I'm going to leave it for locals. I'll be at team night, but that's kind of how much I'm going to operate in my faith. Maybe you don't want people to think that you're judging them, right? You don't, you don't want people to think that, oh, I think I'm better than you. So I, I'm just going to avoid any conversation like that. So I'm just going to laugh along. I'll just agree. I'll just, I'll just be passive in my faith. Maybe for you, it feels like everyone else is actually bending um, the the rules a little bit or bending ethics in your workplace. Maybe they're allocating more time than necessary for a project. Maybe they're not clocking out right on time. Maybe they're submitting a few receipts that are not completely business related when it comes to tax time. And you're like, well, I can do that, too. Everybody else is doing that. So, I mean, I can, I can operate in that way, too. And we actually don't even really feel bad about it in any way because we just kind of go along with what's happening. We don't want to lose out on the promotion or the relationships or, or the ability to get ahead so we're, we're going out after work and we're spending extra time and we're working constantly in all hours and we're neglecting our families and, and we just feel like, oh, well, that's the norm. That's just the pace of my job. I've just got to keep up. You know, I wonder if, for some of us, if we were actually honest with ourselves, if perhaps we had a little bit too high of a regard for the world we live in and and the people around us who have actually not come to Christ. Maybe we're looking to the people around us as our greatest level of influence in our lives, the way we ought to operate, the way we should work, the way we should carry ourselves. And, and they actually aren't submitted to Jesus, and these are the people we're putting on a pedestal as an example to who we should be. We must recognize that those who have rejected Christ are not actually the best example on how to live our lives. It doesn't mean these people are evil. It doesn't mean that there can't be good coming out of conversations and situations and examples and all of these things. But we first need to look to Christ. We can't first look to the people around us. We need to get the order right and that's what we need to be after. You know, this past week, I realized that Brandon and I got engaged 11 years ago on October 28th, and the reason why I know when we got engaged is because six years later, Nate and Emily got married, and they celebrated five years on October 28th, which is awesome. Congratulations, guys. But it always triggers me. Whenever I see them post on, like, Instagram about their anniversary, I'm like, oh yeah, that's when we got engaged as well. 11 years ago, we celebrated 10 years in August um, with our wedding anniversary, and I've realized that over time, you actually start to get to know uh, some real intricacies about the person that you have married, about your spouse, any married people in the room would know that you learn lots of little things about your spouse along the way. And I have realized something over the years that actually doesn't just pertain to Brandon. It's kind of his whole, all of his siblings as well, both Taylor and Courtney uh, do this too. But I have noticed that when he walks into a space wearing a coat or a jacket, you know, most people walk in and they take their coat off. That's a normal behavior. Brandon, on the other hand, nine times out of 10, if he walks into a space and he is comfortable, I'm actually surprised you're not wearing your coat. It's because we got here early today for Team Rally, so you took it off. But nine times out of 10, if he's comfortable with the temperature he is, he will leave that coat on. And I will find myself leaning over to him at a friend's house, at a restaurant, here at church, and be like, hey, do you want to stay a while? Do you want to just take your coat off? you just look like you are ready to go at any point. And he's like, I'm fine. Like, stop. I'm good. I'm like, no, I think you should take your coat off. It's one of those things that I have have learned about him. um, And I encourage uh, behavior change in um, most things. I, I just love him for who he is. But this one I feel like is weird. And I do weird things too. So come on. That's how it works. But I feel like in a similar way to this, some of us As much as we are Christians, as much as we have submitted ourselves to Christ, as much as we have been following Jesus, maybe for a long time, maybe for a short time, some of us are still walking around wearing our old self, so to speak. We're walking around in our lives, in our workplaces, in our relationships, and we have been called to take off our old self. And we're like, I'm good. I'm just going to keep my jacket on. I'm fine. When really the behavior that we need to exude is that we are removing our old self selves Paul says in verse 21 when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus you were taught with regard to your former ways of life to put off your old selves he tells us that we need a shift in our minds to take place to orient ourselves towards the right ways of living and to being holy we need to put on a new self we need to take off our old self in all aspects of life and work There is a putting on of the values that Christ is all about, the commands that we are giving, and allowing this to infiltrate every part of our lives, every part of our work, our coming, our going, our working, all of the pieces of it. So what are we actually called to value? In this passage, Paul talks about not grieving the Spirit of God, And it gives us insight that there are things that God values and things that God wants us to actually remove from our lives. So what grieves the Spirit? Verse 30, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. I think there's two kind of categories we can look at, even in in what he has given us here. And the first is that we need to put off bitterness, anger, and arguing. You see, a bitter heart is one that has great difficulty forgiving. When we are operating in bitterness and just this this kind of uh, negative attitude towards somebody else, Maybe they did something, maybe they said something, maybe you're assuming something, and we've allowed bitterness to kind of cultivate in our hearts. That's going to negatively affect us. That's going to harm us in our ability to love other people, to operate the way God wants us to. And it it becomes really difficult to forgive. It holds on to us and begins to, to deteriorate our ability to live with freedom. It affects us and becomes weighty for us. We find ourselves in this place of blaming others, seeing our work as a burden or as a punishment when we start to get bitter about what is happening specifically in our workplaces. You see, we have to, we have to start taking ownership of our work, of our part in conflict, in our, uh, of our part in laziness. We have to start taking ownership over what is happening here. You see, some of us are looking at our workplaces as a bit of a competition. Who's making more money? Who's, who's be- making better relationships? Who's getting uh, um, um, better promotions? Who is uh, more skilled in this? Who is more aware? And we, we kind of have this competitive nature. And I wonder, who are we competing against? And for what end? What is the point of our competition? We need to operate with peace and unity instead of bitterness and arguing and anger. We need to work through our anger. I wonder if we are part of stirring up things that are not necessary in our workplace. I wonder how we are speaking about our employer or about our boss. Are we doing it in a way that honors them? Are we doing it in a way that lifts them up? Are we doing it in a way that that brings unity to our workplace? Does our behavior bring more peace and unity to our work, or does it bring more bitterness, destructiveness, and disunity in our work? You see, how we communicate with others matters. In verse 29, Paul says, Don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. I don't know about you, but this is convicting. It's easy to complain. It's easy to get in a place where I'm just venting and I just need, it's easy to become so negative. It's easy to get in arguments. It's easy to get in arguments in your head that you're never actually gonna have with that person at work, but it creates this bitterness in your heart towards them. And we are not operating in integrity in what God has called us to do. The other side of this is slander, defamation, and malice. I know some workplaces are really worse than others for this. I've talked to some teachers, nurses, people who work in certain offices, and they're like, I don't know how to get away from the gossip. I don't know how to get away from the slander. I don't know how how to get away from the, the lies that are spread about other people. It just feels like we are just in this toxic work environment. I once heard a speaker say that gossip ends with me. And I think that that's something that we can all hold on to, that we have to ask ourselves, are we we part of the train that gossip gets to its destination for? Are we the final stop of gossip? It can't continue unless it is spread. And so even though that is something that might feel like, ah, I'm going to be on the outs and I don't know how to handle that and I don't know how to operate in that, we need to remember who we are serving. We need to operate in the truth. In verse 25, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body in how we speak and in how we behave. Sometimes I think we take on this idea that a productive lie is better than an inconvenient truth. We take on this thought that, okay, if I just kind of fudge this a little bit, or if I just don't tell this, or if I if I just shift this idea around, that's going to be more productive for my workplace, it's going to be better for me, it's going to be better for the boss, it's going to be better for what's going on than if I bring this inconvenient truth. Because that truth might have consequences, and I don't know if I can handle that, I don't know if I have the confidence to bring that forward. It's actually coming out of our own in- insecurity that we are skirting around the truth, but we have to continue to operate In line with Christ so what are we called to do more of we're called to have kindness compassion and forgiveness see we can get so caught up in working and the culture of our workplace that we forget what it looks like to work well in the reality of Christ we forget to allow Christ to infiltrate every part of our lives We actually get to bring the culture of Christ to our workplace. That is what we are called to do as Christians. That we take what we know, what we have submitted to, as we come to church in a state of humility, saying, God, what do you have for me? What do you want to teach me? We take that with us to equip us to bring that culture into our workplace. Oh, but Emma, you don't know my workplace, and it is so tough, and it is so difficult, and I don't know how to really operate that way, and I've been doing this for so long. Continue to walk out what Christ has for us, even in the smallest ways. Even if this week you just choose one thing to shift that is orienting yourself more towards Christ than the culture of your workplace that is opposite of him. Not that everything in your workplace is bad, but there are probably things. If we just shift one thing and one thing and one thing, we are going to start walking out the culture of Christ over time. So, what does kindness look like towards your client, towards your children, towards your coworkers? Kindness is not just going along with it, it actually is getting to the deeper place of what it looks like to serve and care for others. What does compassion look like? Are we aligning ourselves so much with the world around us that we fail to recognize that if we have unbelievers in our workplace working aside, alongside us, that they actually need Jesus? That is being compassionate. We actually have the hope of the world around with Christ. And we get so quickly like, yeah, they don't want that. I'm just going to not do that because that's awkward. What does forgiveness look like? You most likely have been wronged in your workplace before, maybe overlooked for a promotion, maybe talked badly about, maybe set aside, maybe, maybe not treated the way that you needed, maybe not the affirmation you needed. What do we do with that? Do we become bitter, complaining, gossiping, or do we forgive? The way of working well allows us to operate in a way that honors the Spirit of God, not grieves the Spirit of God. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord. And here Paul is talking to slaves. For most of us, we have uh, we sought this job out. We looked for it. We were excited about it. We interviewed for it. We got, we got pumped that we actually received the job. We are there by choice. Like, certainly we need to work, but we have choices that have led us to where we are with work. So are we working for the Lord? Do we recognize that Christ is greater than our present time? Our work may feel insignificant, but as we approach it with a Christ-likeness and see our co-workers as people who Christ died for, it changes how we work. We have a purpose in it, and we are called to work well. Galatians 5 says this, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And some of us can hear some of the ones that maybe feel a little bit more out there, listed there. But don't miss out on some of the pieces that maybe we're dealing with on a daily basis when it comes to um, these acts of the flesh. And then he goes on to say, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. We are called to live by the spirit and in the spirit in all ways to operate in integrity in our workplaces. Whatever work we do, whether it's a traditional office, whether we're working from home, whether we're driving a vehicle, whether we are retired and working within our homes and and with people around us in relationships, whatever we do for work, we need to do it with, with the spirit. We need to do it with Christ. We have died to our old selves. This is so much what baptism is about, what we're talking about this morning, what we're, what we're actually going to signify after the 10.15 and tonight at the 7. We are dying with our old selves and coming alive in Christ. We are showing that the old is gone and the new has come forward. We have to stay in step with the Spirit. Sometimes I go on runs with Brandon. Usually I don't because he's a much, much faster runner than me. He's like walking. He's like, you coming? What's going on? But when I go on runs with Brandon, he will often stay in pace with me. And then he will go a couple like a step ahead. And then he goes, okay, come on. Like catch up to me. Catch up to me. I'm just gonna I'm gonna go the step ahead and just keep up, keep up with me. And he's pushing me little by little. I imagine this with the spirit that we actually get to keep in step with the Spirit. Not that the Spirit is so far ahead and so far away from us and so far. We actually have the Spirit within us, but the Spirit is prompting us and moving us and giving us gifts and asking us to keep in step. We are not going to be uh, walking so slowly. We're not sitting down. We're not. The Christian life is an active life. It is one that keeps going with the Spirit, one that, that God has called us to be the hands and feet of Christ. We need to keep moving with this and we need to do this as we go about our work as we log on to our computer from our home office as we arrive at the workplace as we have lunch with co-workers as we start the new project as we fold laundry as we drive in as we clean as we discuss as we help as we feed as we work we need to focus on the spirit and how we are called to live even if it's countercultural even if it means that we don't have the highest regard in the short term with our coworkers even if it means that we feel a little bit misunderstood even if we're being a little bit ostracized even we aren't just run by the desires of our flesh we are called to work well and listen sometimes you are going to get accolades for this Sometimes you're going to have the coworker that confides in you because they just see something different in you. Sometimes you're going to have the promotion because you've been operating integrity time and time and time and time again. Sometimes God's going to just position you to rise up in a company. Sometimes God's going to ask you to stay where you are and continue to working well in that. Sometimes you'll get the accolades. Sometimes you will be ostracized. Sometimes you will be put to the side, you will be seen as as hateful, you will be seen as wrong, you will be seen as weird, you will be seen as all these different things. And sometimes you'll just be neutral and there won't be a big fanfare about it. But keep walking in step with the Spirit. Keep working well, keep operating out of integrity. And imagine what it looks like when all of us start to do that in our workplaces and keep doing that, being ready to pray for somebody, being ready to invite somebody to church, being ready to share our faith, being ready to bring people into the love of Christ and doing it with integrity. There is a lot of power in that. It is so countercultural to the world around us. Don't hold the world in too high of a regard. It's messed up. We know that. Paul tells us that. Scripture tells us that and we know it by our own experience as well. The approval of people is not our measuring stick of success. It's not what it's about in life. So in order to work well, we must work with the Spirit, surrendered and intentional in our values and in our conduct. Why don't we stand up this morning? We're going to worship again in just a moment. But before we get to that place, I just want to pray for you and with you. Why don't you close your eyes wherever you are? Listen, if this is your your first time in church or maybe it's your like 10th time in church or maybe you used to go to church and you're just coming back to church or maybe this is all new, but... Maybe you're hearing me talk right now and you're going, okay, what does it look like to actually live a life surrendered to Christ? What does it look like to submit myself to the way and the words of Jesus? What does it look like for me to actually say, okay, Jesus, you're going to be king over my life because I I can't do it on my own. You see, Jesus came and he died and he rose again for us. This is what we believe as Christians. And he rose again to make a way through our sin, through the things that we do that separate us from God, from the brokenness of this world, so that we can actually have a relationship with God again, our creator, the one who has a plan for us, the one who has purpose for us, the one who wants to spend eternity with us. And so as Christians, what we do is we are actually called to make a decision to say, okay, I'm going to turn and choose Jesus above all and follow him. And sometimes we need a little bit of space to actually consider and make a decision like this, what it actually looks like to be a Christian. And then we walk that out in community, in church life, as we read our Bible, as we learn, as we grow, we become more Christ-like. That's called sanctification. But right now, in this moment, what it looks like to actually say, I'm going to follow Christ. I want to be a Christian. It doesn't really matter what you've done. God has grace for that. That's what died and he rose again so if you're here and you're going I want to make that decision I very simply want to pray with you and I would just ask that you would indicate that just by raising your hand you can do that right now yeah I see that hand there anyone else amazing I'm just going to pray for you right now Jesus I thank you for every person who is making that decision today to come to you to follow you Submit to you. I just pray that they would know how loved they are. And I thank you, Jesus, that you would come and die for us and rise again. You are so good. And we celebrate alongside today. In your name, amen. Amen. Come on, yeah. We celebrate. It's great. And I just want to pray one more time, eyes closed. If you're in this place, you're going, I just need. Help, staying in step with the Spirit. I want to work well. I want to work out of integrity in my workplace. And I need to I need to work out how to do that more. Let some of the bitterness let go. Let some of the arguing go. Let some of the thoughts that I have towards my coworkers go. And just bring more kindness, more compassion, more peace, more unity, more working out of the Spirit in my workplace. If that's you this morning, why don't you just raise a hand? I just want to pray for you right now. God, I thank you for every hand raised. I thank you for every person who's saying, yeah, that's me. I want to, I just want to work in a way that honors you in all areas of my work, in all areas of what I'm doing. So Jesus, today we just surrender our workplaces to you. We surrender how we work, what we say, what we do what it looks like in our workplace in each individual spot. And Holy Spirit, I ask that as we begin to operate out of surrender, Holy Spirit, would you just infiltrate our workplaces? Would we see entire office spaces come to know you because we are surrendered to you? Would we see entire uh, companies change values and culture because they have come to know you? Would we see leaders in these workplaces see something different and come to know who you are? So God, I pray we operate out of integrity, but we don't lose the reality that what we do matters because we are submitted to you. This is how we see revival take place in our city. And so we just ask for it. We pray for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a Connect Card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.